I mean, I'm 24. I'm still young. I'm still learning a lot about myself, figuring a lot of that stuff out. Um, and I realized that the more I learned about myself, the better my EQ has has become because I'm able to look at, okay, how do, how do I think? What do I like? How do I process things? And we will compare that, how all the different types of people learn and, and process things, um, which one allows me to, which largely allows me to relate to them, to them better and understand how they process things, things better. But yeah, it's, you have to be self-aware in order to be aware enough in order to understand how other people are feeling. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Welcome to the podcast, and thank you so much for tuning in and listening in. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. We've got lots of great shows like the show today. Today, we have Dane Mullen. Dane teaches software engineering at the App Academy, a fully immersive coding boot camp where students learn modern web development. But before that, Dane beat out a Harvard grad, a couple other Ivy League grads to get a job in investment banking and bond trading due to the experience he had in college, the work experience he had in college. Dane's going to talk about being a top performer consistently at something you love. He's going to talk about life being simultaneously long and short, short enough to where you need to focus and get excellent at a few things, but long enough to have time to switch if you don't like what you're doing. Wow, what a great concept. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Dane, thank you so much for making time to be on the show with us today. Hey, yeah, my pleasure. Well, as I always do, I like to start off getting your definition of excellence. What is your definition of excellence, Dane Molland? Yeah, when I was thinking about how to define excellence, I realized that there's a lot that goes into being excellent, but I guess I was able to boil it down into pretty simple definition. And that's just being a top performer, a consistent, consistent top performer, consistent outperformer at whatever it is you're trying to be excellent at. And there can be a lot that goes into that, but in terms of boiled down explanation, that's how I would define, define excellence. Interesting. I've had uh, many people come on here and try to remove comparison to others from their definition. You're actually basing your definition on how you're performing against others. Yeah, yeah. I think that's when finding something to be excellent at, a lot of it depends on yourself. In order to be excellent at something, it's you have to put in a lot of time into it. You have to, uh, it takes a lot of effort. And if you don't like what you're doing, it's going to be hard to put in that effort, um, that time into being excellent at something. So if I'm guessing a lot of those other definitions of excellence have, may have to do something with the individual, finding something that's fulfilling, that they're willing to put a lot of time into. And I think that helps someone become excellent at something. 
But in terms of actually being good at something, I find it hard to kind of quantify what being good means without having some reference to uh, someone else or some kind of standard of performance there. There's a concept called unique ability, and I forget who introduced it to me, but one of the many speakers I saw back in my EO years of traveling the world. And the concept of unique ability is something that you're excellent at and you enjoy doing, which flows right into what you're saying. My wife was excellent at sales. She was one of the top performers at College Works. She was always one or two in equipment sales. It was her second job. Then she went to pharmaceutical sales. She was always one or two, but she hated it. So she was for a brief period of time excellence, but if you hate it and it goes against your grain, and that's kind of where I came up with the disc testing. I think I did one with you. I have another episode about disc testing. It's got to be in your wheelhouse. It can't just be something you're good at. You got to love it to be excellent at it. I love your definition. Yeah, 100%, 100%. If, if it's something that, again, to be excellent at it, if some, you, it takes a lot of time and effort. And if you don't love doing it, you're just going to hate all the time and effort that goes into it. Um, we're going to end up hating it and, and, and resenting it. So for me personally, to become excellent at something, I think, uh, and to stay excellent at something, it's something that you have, actually have to really enjoy. And interesting because I think you've experienced it, right? You went into investment banking. You went into securitized product trading. You were really good at it, but you didn't love it. Exactly. And so you left. Yeah, yeah, spot on. Yeah, when I was at at Barclays, um, while I was a trader there on, on the trading desk, I came to the realization throughout my year there that I, I don't really actually like this stuff as much as I thought I was going to going into it. And that just made the long hours. I mean, trading, it's not quite as long hours as if you're doing straight up investment banking, mergers and acquisitions, but it's still looking at 70, 80 hours a week. And the thing is, it's more intense because when you're during market hours, you have to be dialed in. You have eight things that are going on. You have eight trades you're trying to make. You have to prioritize what's going on. And it's a lot of stress. It's a lot of hours on the weekends. You're constantly tuning into the market, getting up on news so you know what to expect for the, um, for the following week. And it, it just turns into a very long and painful grind if you don't actually enjoy doing all, all that stuff. There's almost an element to your definition that you need to be able to do it for an extended period of time. Excellence isn't about a year or a month. It's about an extended period of time. And to go for an extended period of time at something you don't love is almost impossible, right? So you change gears, you love teaching, you love tech, you found a way to take what you love and be excellent at it, which in the long term is much easier than something you hate being excellent at. Exactly, exactly. I and mean, the way I view it is life is simultaneously long and short. What I mean by that is life is short enough where you don't have time to get excellent at a lot of different things throughout your life. Life is also long enough, though, where if you're not doing something that you like, it just turns into a very, very long grind. And you're going to look back on all those years and go, I spent 40 hours a week, 60, 80 hours a week throughout my life doing something that at this I don't actually care about. That didn't really give me much fulfillment. So it's kind of uh, the name of the game here is kind of balancing. Okay, let's find something that I'm excellent at that I really enjoy doing that I take a lot that I can find a lot of fulfillment from while also trying to avoid spending too long trying to figure out what, what that is. And you and I both have the same thing that we love doing, which is teaching. I love teaching. You know, we have 
our partnership has a few businesses. Jay Reed ha- uh, loves deal making. So he's out there cutting deals, playing golf with people, meeting with different people, going to all these events. I don't really love deal making. Jeff is really loving building the business from the ground up. So we have a new brand that Jeff's building from the ground up. I love teaching. So I stay at College Works because I love teaching. I love working with young people. I love watching their eyes open up and sparkle as they figure things out. That's kind of what you liked. And you figured out a way to do what you love in a different industry. Like I love business. I love teaching. I do this. Uh, You love teaching. You love tech. So now you're working at the App Academy. And we'll get into where you were in high school. And we'll get into what you did to separate yourself. But why don't you talk about your transition from... Uh, being a securitized product trader to going into teaching at the App Academy. How did that happen? And what skills do you need at the App Academy to be excellent? And what exactly are you doing on a daily basis for those listeners right now that also love teaching and also love inspiring people and also love watching people find their unique abilities? Yeah, yeah. That's great, great questions. So, this last summer at Barclays, I started realizing like, hey, I should start looking for some other career path. And it was really tough figuring out what that was. I mean, I'm 23 years old in New York City. I rent here through the roof and everything like that. I'm like, okay, I got to figure out what how to switch here to a career that's going to prevent me from ending up on the streets in the, in the process, whatever. And I, while also making avoiding making the same mistakes that I made that got me into, into finance. So it took a lot of soul searching. I, I had to kind of look at, okay, what do I actually really enjoy doing. I thought I enjoyed finance. I thought I enjoyed trading. I thought I, would be, I enjoyed working in Excel. Um, and there's some some parts of that that I, that I really didn't enjoy. But I'm like, okay, let's find a job that has a lot of what I enjoy and very little of what I don't enjoy. And I thought back on um, different experiences I had throughout high school, throughout college, where I had a little bit of introduction to coding, uh, nothing too in-depth, but it's something that I've always enjoy doing. Um, never got too much opportunity to really pursue it, but something that's always piqued my piqued my interest and I found in, enjoyable. Um, while I was at Barclays, uh, I, w- I was working on some coding stuff using like VBA, which is like the programming language behind Excel to automate some of the stuff we did on, on the trading desk. And I realized that this is something that, yeah, I, I enjoy doing and I should consider this at least for a, for a career. So my girlfriend, um, at that time, she was a recruiter. Uh, she recruited software engineers. So I kind of asked her about, about the role, what, what she saw, what the industry was like. And went, okay, this is actually something that, yeah, I could really see myself doing a lot of the, like I mentioned before, a lot of the things that I like doing, like I, I enjoy problem solving, logical thinking, stuff like that. It had a lot of that. A lot of stuff I didn't like um, was missing from that, from that industry. So it was, it was awesome. I looked at different ways then to try and break into that industry. I considered going back, getting like a master's in computer science, um, just doing some self-taught coding and lastly looking at going through a coding software engineering bootcamp. And that's what I ended up ended up doing. Uh, it cost money to have a more structured learning, but I, the way I viewed it is having that support, having that structured curriculum and knowing, hey, I'll have the guidance to learn basically everything that goes into modern uh, web development that to me that was worth um, the cost of the of the coding bootcamp, and as well as the the support they put in your job search and stuff like that afterwards. So 
decided to uh, go with the boot camp in order to switch into software engineering. I uh, decided on App Academy. Uh, I liked the time frame. I liked the technologies that that they taught. So I signed up and started. Uh, went through their curriculum um, in. Uh, started in the beginning of, of this last August. Um, it was a 16-week program, um, very intense. Uh, once we got out of the first couple of weeks, it was pretty routinely 80 to 100 hours of uh, studying, working throughout, throughout the week. And graduated from that cohort in mid-December. After that, spent some time working on personal projects, just to have a portfolio put together to show employers. And during that time, App Academy actually had an opening um, for a instructional assistant. So I, I applied for that and uh, got hired and haven't looked back since. Wow. So first of all, I'm just going to run through this for the listener that's sitting there thinking, everything Dane just said is awesome. I don't know what I want to do for a living. So what you said was first, you figured out what your interests were. You're in a job um, or you're in a class or you're doing something and you're noticing that some things you like and some things you don't like. So you figured out what your interests are and what you don't like about a certain job. That was steps one and two. Steps three, you went and matched it with the career Step four, you figured what is the pathway to the career and the best step of all step five, open to serendipity. The career was right there in your face. You didn't even know it was there. And boom, you found what you love, right? Exactly. Yep. Yep. Spot on. Well, that is, that is cool. So if you're sitting around in college right now, maybe you haven't had uh, investment banking job. Maybe you haven't had a securitized product trading job. Maybe you haven't had a professional job at all. But what do you like in your classes? What don't you like in your classes? Here's the hard part. You, you didn't mention this, but you put some effort into it. You got to start <laughs> looking at careers, reading job descriptions, figuring out what you will love, then what the pathway is, and be open to serendipity. For 28 years, I've been teaching. I didn't plan on doing this, but I love it. And I've got other things I do too, but I love it. And I found it accidentally, just like you. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Let's go back a few years though. What was life like when you were in college? Where did you see yourself? How'd you find, let's go to high school. What was life like in high school? Where'd you see yourself? What did you see as your path? And then in college, what happened? Yeah, so high school, I was a um, very diligent student. I was, well, both my parents were in education. My mom, um, she was a teacher at the, at the school district I went to. Um, my father, both my parents are now retired. My father, he was a professor um, at a smaller private non-for-profit university. Uh, so both, both my parents were in education. They uh, valued, valued education a lot. So I always had a little bit of that pressure in order to make sure I'm getting good grades and, and, and working studiously. And well, that's so much pressure, but my family always had that that value. So I just kind of internalized that and um, made sure I, I, I'd be getting good grades. So freshman year for high school, I was very, very studious. I was a 4.0 student. Um, I was also very involved in sports. I was a cross-country runner, track runner, varsity. Uh, I was also trying to be very involved as well. Um, I was involved in our National Honor Society. I was president my senior year. Um, I was in FBLA, uh, Future Business Leaders of, of America, which was like a competition-focused uh, kind of business business group competing in different, different categories. I, had a, I ran a few personal fundraisers for different charities to kind of have stuff to throw onto my resume when applying for colleges and, and stuff like that. 
The one thing I didn't do much of though, I actually didn't have a job throughout high school. And that was largely because I was so busy maintaining 4.0 GPA. I was enrolled in a lot of AP classes, um, had a very tough workload for, for high school students, especially. And I was just kept busy with clubs where I legitimately didn't have time to fit in a, a job without working until like having to work at like 2 a.m. Um, say so until, until 2 a.m. By the way, that's a really great excuse and a really long winded excuse. I throw in that doesn't matter. Get a job. If you're in high school, get a job, but keep going. <laughs> um, yeah. So my, yeah, my approach was do everything I could, uh, to keep myself busy without actually kind of having, having, having a job more, more or less. That's my, that's my son's approach right now too. Really? <laughs> he's doing everything he can to not get a job right now, but he's running out of time. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, uh, it works out well if you have actual responsibilities that you can, um, point to when applying for college. If you are just some secretary of some club that just requires you to show up and sign members in, like, yeah, that's not going to do much, do much for you. Um, if you're going out there and you're actually organizing fundraising events, um, you are like meeting with staff or administration in school to, to plan those. And you're actually taking on some responsibilities. I think it can be a great way in order to set yourself up to uh, uh, have success in your college application search at, at, at that stage. If you are a true leader and you're truly functioning as a leader, not the assistant to a leader, not the right hand arm of a leader, but a true leader, that will really help. So you had the true leadership experience, the AP classes, the 4.0, your parents are pushing education because they're educators, by the way. My dad was a teacher and then he was a professor at a community college. So we have a lot in common. So things are going well. And then you got into the best school in the United States. <laughs> Not quite. Uh, cool. I, mean, I consider them pretty, pretty awesome, but I got into University of Wisconsin-Madison. By the way, every time I go to the Midwest, if you go to Champaign, you go to University of Michigan, you go to Wisconsin, everybody tells me it's the best school in the area. So I was just kind of teasing you. They're all <laughs> great schools. And I know that uh, Wisconsin is really good for business, which is what you majored in, right? Yeah, it's best school in the area. Uh, I'd say it's, I, I did apply to other colleges. Um, I, I did try to get into Harvard. Unfortunately, that uh, did not make it there. So um, you can be excellent without getting into your top pick of college. Um, I've come to realize that the college you go, to, you go to matters a lot less than what you actually do during college and with that, with that education. That's a really good point. The college you go to matters a lot less than what you do. Who you know and what you know doesn't matter. That's what they used to tell me in college. Doesn't matter what you're doing, man. It matters who you know and what you know. Quit working so hard. Doesn't matter. It matters what you do with who you know and what you know. Exactly. If you're going to a top 10 school and you blow it off, you're not going anywhere. If you go to the lowest school and you, well, some people don't even graduate. Mark Zuckerberg didn't graduate from Harvard. Uh, but if you go to a school that's not a, a, a community college, you can end up doing way better than the person that went to Harvard because of what you do with your opportunity. So you're in high school. You did a great job with your opportunity. You move on to Madison. What a beautiful place to go to school. I love that place. I love the hills, the water, the greenery. And you know I love it in the summer because I've been in a car with you as we're driving by those farms and I'm taking pictures and you guys are laughing at me because I love the red <laughs> farm so much. So you move into college. How did you separate yourself in college? Yeah, well, one more point I want to 
I, I think this goes really well at that point, actually. Um, when I was interviewing at Barclays, when I had my super day, one of the traders that was interviewing me asked me, he goes, Dane, like, um, I like you, you're great, but the other three applicants we have for the Super Day, uh, they're from Harvard, Yale, and Princeton. It might not have been those three colleges, but they were, he mentioned three Ivy League, Ivy League schools. And he goes, you're great, but you're from, and no offense, but you're from University of Wisconsin-Madison. Why should we hire you over these, over these Ivy League kids? And obviously, I ended up getting the offer there, which means whatever I did during college kind of beat out just having that Harvard name on on your resume. But in terms of how I separated myself, I uh, largely came down to, to college works. And I, I knew that going into finance, I would, it would help to have something financially aided on my resume as well. So while in college, I also started up a, a cryptocurrency um, mining, mining business. Um, so I think the combination of having college works to show uh, that kind of well-rounded business mindset that I understood, hey, here how, here's how I can like start kind of any type of business, whether it be painting business or whatever, and scale that through being a, uh, not just not just intern year, but being a, or not just branch manager year, but being a district manager, general manager, know how to scale that. Um, and also having this more, a little bit more finance specific experience in my resume. I think the combination of those two really help, help set me up. Right on. Well, most people listening to this podcast are unable to do the College Works internship. We don't offer the College Works internship mm -hmm. in every state in the country. We offer it in the Midwest. You and I both did it. But the point of the College Works internship is to do something kind of impossible, right? You're mm -hmm. 19, 20, 21. You got to run a business from start to finish. You've got to sell this concept of a paint job that's $8,000 to someone that's three times your age, two times your age. You got nothing to show. Then you got to go hire a bunch of people. You've never been a manager before. Then you got to manage them. And it's uh, kind of impossible. So if you're in a state that doesn't offer College Works, there's other internships that are impossible. If you are at College Works and you're doing all this crazy stuff, what Dane's saying is, hey, he got the same degree as you. He's in the same company as you, but he got himself promoted. So you were excellent in College Works as a manager, got promoted to a district manager, then got promoted again. And that wasn't enough. If you want to play with the high flyers, you want to play in the major leagues, you got to do it all. So how did you manage your time doing cryptocurrency mining, being a district manager or a general manager, getting great grades in Madison? How did you manage your time to get all that done and make yourself the applicant that got picked over the Ivy League kids, including one from Harvard? Yeah, it, it comes down to looking at your time and trying to get as much value out of it, which is kind of like a, I use Google Calendar to manage my time. I know that's a uh, college works favorite and how, kind of how I, the basic time management techniques I learned, I learned from, from college works. Hey, it was basically create a calendar, put in all your classes. Okay, so now you, the stuff that you can't move around like your classes, you, they're in your calendar. You can't just go around those. You have that, that in there. Now, what's the next kind of, important on the priority list. What's stuff that maybe you can move around, um, but it's still very important to get done. So that might be time. Like if you have an exam coming up, you have a deadline on when you have to do the studying except before the exam, of course. So let's throw in time for, for studying, figure out, estimate out how much time you need to get the grade you want on that, on that exam, and then plan that out. Other time, uh, time for college works, if you're calling, setting up meetings with clients, whatever, throwing that time in, in your calendar and really kind of just taking the system of, okay, what do I have that scheduled that isn't flexible? Throwing that in the calendar. Okay. What do I have that is important to do and has a 
time limit on it, has a deadline on it, but I can be flexible about when I do it, throwing that in the calendar and really use that to fill in the time and that, that, I, that I have in the day. And then once I have that stuff filled in, actually sticking to that calendar and sticking to the time that I, that I planned out, because like, there's really no secret. You, there's enough time in the week to do all this stuff. If you plan it out and you, it is possible to plan it out and fit all that in, in your schedule. The tough part and where people often look, often look for the secret is you then have to stick to the schedule and actually put in that, that much time. And unfortunately, depending on how high your goals are, depending on what you want to do, depending on where you get in life, it may not leave as much time as you would like to go out and, and party with, with, with your friends. And I mean, throughout college, I definitely did have some time to, to myself, to go out to the bars with friends, um, go on a weekly date night with, with my girlfriend. It's just all the extra time you have, but you don't have much extra time beyond, beyond, beyond that. You didn't binge watch uh, 12 episodes of 60 days in on a Saturday afternoon. Right. Right. Yeah. I just wouldn't have time to, to do that. I'd have to go, okay, what's actually important to me. Yeah. That's the difference between excellent and not right. It's right. the prioritization. So there are some things you don't do. You balance it. Right. And then it's right. doing it. Anybody can make the plan, but sticking to the plan. And if you want to go be an investment banker, at a big firm, or you want to be a security trader, or you want to move into a leadership role at a place like the App Academy, you're going to have to learn to prioritize and you're going to have to learn to get it done so you can show those, those people doing the interviews that you can get it done. That's what you did. You got it done. They knew you could get it done. You get hired, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think what CollegeWorks really shows to an employer, um, well, one, it teaches you a lot of soft skills, teaches you how to, and it teaches you business as well. It teaches you how to understand business and business processes. So ultimately, essentially, no matter, unless you're going into a nonprofit, but even those have a lot of like business-like op operations, uh, a lot of businesses at the core is the same. They have processes for bringing in revenue, money, what, or raising funds for, for a nonprofit. And a lot of that involves some marketing sales aspects. Uh, you have the actual product or service that the business has and, and there's management of that product or, or service. And a lot of times if you're working, you're working at some stage in that process and working at college works allows you kind of see how those processes work together. So you have a better, bigger picture of the, of the company, but more importantly, I guess I'm kind of bearing the lead here is it shows that you have the determination, the work ethic um, that it takes to be excellent. Um, because going through college works during the summer, I was working hundred plus hours a week. And that's because I was running $130,000 in revenue. So I had multiple crews to manage a lot, a lot went into it, but largely it showed, Hey, I can do something that I haven't done before. I've never ran a pending company before. And I can put in the time and the effort and I can make the judgments calls that are needed in order to run it successfully. And someone who can do that, there's not many jobs that they can't do. And I talked about like college works. I consider, I think I was excellent as a, as a branch manager. I was uh, one of, I think I was a top rookie in, in Wisconsin that year. Um, and I mean, running a painting business wasn't my passion, but it shows that I have the work ethic determination to be excellent at, at something. Yeah, just like uh, you said, and I love it. Life is simultaneously long and short. 
short in that you can't be excellent at everything, long in that you can switch if you need to, right? So you switched. But and long in that if you don't like what you're excellent at, it's going to feel very long. Oh, that's true too. Yeah. College can be long and short. Short in that you have three summers. You better use them wisely. Long in that, especially that last year, it seems to last forever. But when it's done, you look back, it was a pretty short period of time. You better get your ducks in a row. Yeah. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com slash podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com slash podcast. Now, back to the show. And so why don't you talk a little bit about, and I, I just love the, the teaching aspect. And like I said, teaching is my thing. My dad was a teacher. Your parents were teachers. My dad used to tell me it's the number one most important job in the world. And if you think about it, what job exists without teachers? None. None. Right. I mean, we, we wouldn't be hunting. We, we wouldn't have made it through hunting and gathering if someone didn't teach people how to hunt and teach people how to gather and then farming and, and so on and so on. So uh, you love teaching. Why don't you tell us kind of what you do at the App Academy? You know, what's life like? Uh, what are you doing? What skills are you using? And how those tie back to your young self? Yeah, yeah. So being a teacher is largely, it comes down to, we talk about this in college, which as well, emotional intelligence. Um, you're working with students. In order to teach effectively, you have to understand how the students are processing the information, how they're feeling, and how motivated they, they are. And you have to really be able to look at whatever topic you're teaching from the student's point of view. Because it's very easy for me, someone's gone through the whole curriculum, I have all the context that I need to understand anything in the curriculum. A lot of times when these students are first starting off, they have zero context. Um, I might say something, I might use terminology that, that, that they're not familiar with. Um, that makes perfect sense to me, but they haven't seen it before, so it doesn't make any sense to them. And being able to put myself in their shoes and go, hey, okay, I have to pretend I don't know anything. I have to pretend I'm seeing this for the first time. What kind of assumptions are, is someone likely to make with the first time they're looking at this? How could those assumptions be wrong? And, and just really putting myself in their shoes, trying to figure out how they're thinking and how, how they're feeling is really what the job boils down to. And once I can put myself in their, in their shoes and understand that, then I can start tailoring how I teach uh, to what that individual needs. Where did you learn how to do that? Largely at, at, at CollegeWorks, being a district manager. Um, teaching a college student. So one, it's very hard as a college student to run a business. It's equally as hard 
as a college student to teach another college student how to run a painting business. So a lot of it was kind of being, as a district manager, we went, we went through a lot of training and we were kind of taught how to, we're, we're told what, hey, focus on um, this emotional like awareness with the branch managers that, that, that you're teaching. Be aware of what they're thinking and, and, and how they're feeling. Uh, and college works kind of helped me realize that, that looking at that was very important. But in terms of actually how you do that, some of it was just kind of being thrown in, in, into the deep end with, okay, I'm managing the branch managers. Um, I have to make sure I think back to how I felt when I was going through the internship. I got to think about how they're feeling now and learn how to react based off of how, how they're feeling. If they're, if they're burnt out, if they didn't have, if they had some estimates go poorly, if they're unmotivated, trying to fix their mindset to go to, to get them motivated again and get them ready, hungry for um, the, the next week of week of work. So being a district manager really is kind of where I learned a lot of that emotional intelligence, how to relate to these people um, and how to figure out what they're thinking. So that way I can match whatever I'm trying to teach to whatever their current mindset is. I wonder, as you're talking, I was thinking about uh, teacher burnout. I used to be the chairman of a school board mm-hmm. and uh, every once in a while there was quote, teacher burnout. And you're talking about EQ. I wonder if teacher burnout has to do with loss of EQ. And when I studied EQ, I, I, I decided to study it a while ago while we were teaching it. I decided to go way back and read the definitions and read a bunch of papers on it. I didn't realize the importance of understanding yourself to having a high EQ. And it's right there in the, in the dictionary definition, I believe. You got to understand yourself to be able to understand others. So you say, how are they processing the info? How motivated they are? How aware are they of the whole process? I had to put myself in their shoes, but you got to understand that you never processed all the info. You do understand the whole picture. They don't. So there's a lot of self-awareness in your teaching style to be able to understand the students and make sure you're good at conveying the information, right? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I've realized as well. I've noticed that. I mean, I'm 24. I'm still young. I'm still learning a lot about myself, figuring a lot of that stuff out. Um, and I've realized that the more I learn about myself, the better my EQ has has become. Because I'm able to look at, okay, how do how do I think? What do I like? How do I process things? I'm able to compare that how all their different types of people learn and and process things, um, which one allows me to which always allows me to relate to them to them better and understand how they process things things better but yeah it's you have to be self-aware in order to be aware enough in order to understand how other people are feeling right and again you know a lot of people there is no college works for you you can go to alaska work on one of those fishing boats maybe be a leader (laughs) there that's hard work That'll show something. There's Southwestern Books. There's Vector Marketing. There's Baldwin and Sons Homes. All have great opportunities for you. But the point is, do more than other people have. Work harder than other people have. Encounter problems that no one your age is supposed to encounter and prove to yourself that you can do it so you can then prove it to others on the interview circuit or maybe later in life. So I want to get back to you. You're only 24 years old. And I forget, you know, I'm an old man now. So when you're old, you don't remember, you know, when did we hang out? Was it four years ago? Was it eight (laughs) years ago? Everybody looks the same age. If they're 20 or 30, they all look the same age when you're 50 years old. So if you could go back in time, and usually it's a little bit 
further back in time. But if you could go back and give your 20-year-old self some uh, encouragement and advice, what sacrifices did you make back then that you'll never, ever regret? And maybe at the time, you're like, should I really be doing this? What sacrifices did you make that really made you the excellent um, teacher you are today and the excellent business person you are today? I have very few regrets in life. Uh, I'm very happy with where I am today. So it's hard for me to regret anything that I think has had an impact on, on getting to where I am today. I would say that I, I gave up a lot of, I guess, more chill, relaxed time throughout high school and college. Like there was high school, I think I'd have Sundays pretty much off, off to myself to be able to do whatever, watch YouTube videos, play computer games, whatever. And I de-stress on, on Sundays uh, during high school. And during college, I didn't really have that. It was pretty much 24, like seven, seven days a week um, going hard. Uh, and I'd have to make sure I kind of budgeted out, plan out time for anything that was really important to me, like going on a weekly date night with my girlfriend or whatever. I plan out time for that. And I think that's probably why I don't have any regrets was because I went like, okay, what's actually really important to me. And I made sure that I still included that. I still, I made sure I still had time for that in, in my life. Um, so I never cut out anything important, um, which is, I think is why I don't have regrets. Now did I, I gave up spring break trips, college works, uh, it's prime time for a lot of, a lot of, uh, activities in, in, in college works. So I guess, I don't know, you could, someone might regret that, but looking back, I don't know, giving up three spring breaks in order to be able to get into a bulge bracket bank as a front office, like trader, um, that seems like a pretty small sacrifice doing that in order to get to where I want to be in a great software engineering career, um, where I'm enjoying teaching and, um, helping other students get into a career that they're going to be, that they're going to be happier in. Like it's a small sacrifice. I, yeah, I do not regret it by, by any means. Um, so sacrifices like, I don't know, like that, just kind of in general, how busy I was during college, how I had to cut out things that I didn't value. Um, so a lot of sacrifices I, I had to make there in terms of relaxation time or whatever, but yeah, I don't regret, I don't regret any of those. At the time, did they seem like something you might regret? To be honest, when I was, when I was doing it, it wasn't even really a conscious decision of like cutting that out. It was more of a like, yeah, I'm, I don't know, I got work I have to do. Like, this is what I have to do to get to where I want to be. So I can't go on a, on a trip. And it didn't, I didn't really like, I can't go on spring break this year, for example. So it wasn't something like I thought about, Hey, I'm not going to regret this later. It was just more of a, here's what I have to do to get to where I want to be. Um, so I'm going to do it. So you're, you're on the path of excellence always. I mean, that's a very mature way of looking at it. That's how I look at it now. That's how you look at it now. That's how a lot of people that are on the edge of excellence look at it in their late 20s, 30s, and 40s. It's that long-term view. But what when I was in my 20s and I stayed home for spring break or stayed in college for spring break and worked while my family went to Mallorca, Spain for a week, and I had to skip that week in Spain it really felt like a sacrifice. Now, looking back, because I skipped that week in Spain, I've been to Spain 15 times. I've Literally, I've been 15 times. I would not have been to Spain 15 times had I not skipped that one week in Spain. So sometimes when people aren't as mature as you are, Dane, it feels like a sacrifice. Oh, spring break. Oh, the fraternity party. Oh, the weekend. Oh, I can't go to this party. 
But when you look back, you usually regret if you didn't, and you don't regret it if you did. You have to do what you need to do now to do what you want to do later. So I needed to stay in work. You needed to stay in work so I could go to Spain 15 times. And so you could go on multiple date nights a week, not just one date night a week <laughs> with your girlfriend. Is she still your girlfriend or is she your fiance now? Still my girlfriend, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're a slow mover. Well, <laughs> when she listens to this podcast, that might put a little pressure on you. <laughs> well, and by the way, thanks, Matt. No. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. And by the way, to your time management point, we do have a podcast that I recorded on time management. You were talking about some of the techniques. Uh, we do have it in our uh, Edge of Edge Excellence bundle. If you go on our website, we'll send you a transcript of a full hour long class with screenshots. But I listen to the podcast at 1.5 speed, so it takes like 10 minutes. And you can get all that time management uh, stuff that Dane was talking about. And I think really a big message here is stop and think. Stop and think about what you're doing. Is what you're doing leading to where you want to be? Or is what you're doing leading you away from where you want to be? Is who you're hanging out with leading to where you want to be? Which Dane hung out with people that were leading him to where he wanted to be. Or is it taking you away from where you want to be? Dane's had two spectacular careers by 24 years old. Two of them. Two careers that most people listening to this would love to have. And that's because he consistently made choices in line with getting to where he wanted to be at 24. And now it's kind of automatic for you, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, at, at this point, it's mindset of excellence you talked about going, just thinking long term. It is a, it's not only a mindset, it's a habit as well. And it's a habit that you can get into and get out of. And just to explain a little bit more, one of uh, the mindset I'm talking about is going, we talked about uh, skipping spring break for uh, to work on, on college works, whatever. It, it go, the mindset that I had there was I uh, to hit my goals, I have to do this, which requires missing spring break. So I didn't even think twice about it. And having that mindset, that long-term mindset, it's it's a habit. It's a way of thinking. It's a habit of thinking. And, it's, and like any other habit, it's a habit that you can get into and you can get out of. And like most habits, the hardest part is just getting into that habit. Once you're in that mindset, once you're in that way of thinking, it makes those decisions a lot easier to make in the future. You can also fall out of that habit, though, fall out of that mindset, and it can be a little bit tricky getting getting back into it. So if you're like, hey, I, it's very hard for me to make those decisions of short-term sacrifice for that long-term gain, it's just something you got to do for a little bit, for a little while, get into that habit of making those, those decisions, and it makes those decisions even easier later, later on to do, and just... It, and at later on, it just requires a little bit of a little bit of continual um, effort to reevaluate what you're doing, um, just to make sure you're not falling out of that mindset. But once you're in that habit, once you're in that mindset, it makes it a lot easier to stay in it. Wow! And I, we're going to close on that because that is amazing. And once you're in that habit and you do fall out of it, because everybody falls out, mm -hmm. it's easier to get back in. It's like muscle memory. You just right. got to get that muscle memory going. Well, Dane, it's been awesome talking to you. Really appreciate you making time. Love your points. Life is simultaneously long and short. What a great concept. <laughs> I hope you have a great week and I hope your students understand how lucky they are to have someone with the EQ that you have working with them day in and day out. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. It's been, thank you for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. 
If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.